I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. All right. Today, we're going to welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Oh, God. How do I say your last name? <laughs> Rachel Lemke. Lemke. Okay. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Awesome. Rachel is the founder of Amwell Data Services, a full-service independent veterinary laboratory consulting agency. That was a lot of words with a lot of letters. She formed Amwell Data Services to help give veterinarians and their teams more margin with the larger goal of helping make careers in veterinary medicine more sustainable. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I was so excited. I was like, Rachel, we get Rachel today. (laughs) I I Uh, love your podcasts and I, I love listening to all your guests and I always learn something. So I'm very excited to be here. Um, I'm blushing. I seriously, every time somebody's like, I just love the podcast and I listen to ever, I'm just like, I don't. Okay. Great. Fabulous. So I'm a little embarrassed by that. Um, but I'm happy that people like to listen to it. Yeah. yeah. It's useful. not used to that. It's useful <laughs> and, and actionable things. And I'll go back and save them and listen to the, listen to them again. And mm-hmm. they're good. I'm all about action items. And, you know, you said, the, you know, making careers in veterinary medicine more sustainable, like that's what we're here for. Yep. You know, like that's what we all want for, for these businesses. So, I love it. Um, so first questions first, what was your first job? Okay. My mother's definition of a first job or my definition of a first job? Either, both. So I held horses for a blacksmith and I'd clean shoes and stuff when I was in high school. My mom did not consider that a job. It was $50 a day cash. He was a fabulous blacksmith. Um, Don't recommend the pay rate, but uh, great people. And um, I worked with really nice horses and stuff. This was at a local barn, but um, yeah, Georgia Summers working for a blacksmith. Uh, Yeah, I guess that was my first that's my first job. I did some like pet sitting and house sitting, but does that count? Yeah, it was like about the same time, but like this, the holding horses for the blacksmith was more of a job, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, think like really fun, nasty stallions that like, all they want to do is bite you. No. Mm-mm. And your job is to make sure that, that the blacksmith can keep working even if that means they're wanting to fight you. (laughs) So that, that goes in the job category. Pets it more more fun. What was your mom's, what would your mom say your first job is? It's actually funny to me. (laughs) Uh, Well, my mom thought it needed to be like, need to have a paycheck, you know, like an actual like piece of paper. And I'm like, um, so I, I guess she wouldn't, Maybe she would, yeah, she would count, I guess, when I was uh, an undergrad, my first job was as a prep cook slash like catering, mm-hmm. co-catering chef, basically for the college. Mm-hmm. So I went from uh, being able to make PB&J and Kraft mac and cheese, if that, <laughs> when I was in high school, I was afraid of the oven. It was like too hot and I was scared so I would I came home and I said okay we're gonna have walnut and crusted chicken with blah 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 and my dad's like wait what so that that was uh what my mom would probably consider as my my first job 
That's really funny. Yeah, I used to work at a country club in college. And I worked like from bar cart to like fine dining. And so yeah. like, I know a ton about wine because we would have wining tastings and they would feed us and they would feed us stuff with like blue cheese on it and like stuff I would never, like yeah. I would say I probably didn't like. I don't like kumquats. But like in that, like they fed us. So you ate what you got, you know, and it was like a lot of like more like gourmet and like, you know, the chefs are making, you know, putting yeah. flavors together that like, yep. that's not grilled cheese <laughs> <laughs> or mac and cheese. Right. I mean, lobster mac and cheese. Is yeah. I was never a picky eater. So like, there was just like, we had the ability, like uh, nice they definitely changed out. my palate. Yeah. Um, and my desire for, you know, nice wines and stuff. <laughs> but now I just so, drink boxed wine or I love canned wine. I'm, I'm just, whatever. It doesn't really matter at this point. I'm not picky. So give us the rundown on your career journey. Uh, so I guess, um, career journey. So I moved out of the prep kitchen helping with catering. Um, and I took a, a research position, like mm-hmm. a undergraduate research position. I can't speak position at, uh, the school where I was at Barry college down in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, um, started doing all sorts of stuff there. It was mostly, uh, like population genomics and stuff like that with cattle and mm-hmm. some stuff with spermatic I can't again I can't speak today stem cells like testes um that made for some interesting conversations and so um I went from there to Cornell and so mm-hmm. I, I would still consider that like work experience like I as, definitely is as a graduate student and a teaching assistant and so I did all sorts of stuff there um you know, your research, and then also you're helping teach these classes to loads of mm-hmm. undergrads. So that was uh, sometimes difficult, but always rewarding. Awesome. And then um, finished at Cornell and I moved to, uh, <laughs> I moved to New Jersey. Uh, I don't have a poker face, sorry. No, so no, I moved fine. to New Jersey, which was not in my top 40 states of where I was <laughs> on moving. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. No, it was so funny. I don't have one either. So like, yeah. you know how I feel about things. So I, so like born and raised in Georgia, but I don't have deep Georgia roots at all. Like mom's from Maryland, dad's from New York. Then I lived in Ithaca for several years and then moved to New Jersey. So uh, moved to New Jersey for a relationship that didn't pan out, but I got a job um, first as a lab tech, then became a lab manager at a local really big private equine referral hospital. So I was there for almost four years. Um, I I was first brought on because the morning tech had just given notice, um, and I um, they had my resume basically on file because my horse had punctured his elbow previously in the year. Uh, <laughs> that's how it works, right? That's how it works. Yeah. yeah. So um, so I started in October of 2016. And then I was promoted three times by March. And then, um, oh, I was also working at Chick-fil-A. You asked for work experience. I was also working at Chick-fil-A from October through the end of December. Um, Do you always say the thing when people are like, okay, bye. You're always like, have a good day. Uh, I have friends. I still have friends who, who uh, one of them still works there but uh, as a manager. But um, when they use that phrase, like, it's my pleasure, I get really mad. <laughs> <laughs> use that with me like that's mm-hmm. 
that's not real anymore. So um, anyway, nice, nice place to work. Um, but I'll leave my personal opinions out of it. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I moved on uh, full time uh, with the practice in the beginning of 2017. So um, was there for almost four years. I, uh, I had worked with uh, like veterinary types, animal science, pre-vet mm-hmm. types, my whole, I, I, well, my whole right. like education, you know, cause I was, I wasn't a pre-vet track when I was an undergrad, but most of my friends were. So mm-hmm. like, uh, these were my people, um, you know, it had been years since I had run like a, a PCV or, you know, looked at white blood cells, but you know, uh, made up for that real quick. Thank you. Eclin path at Cornell. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, learned a lot and I decided, uh, I guess several months into COVID that I, I wanted to do something a little different and I want to challenge myself more. So I decided I'll open my own LLC and I, I will, yeah, it was one of those, like, we're going for it. So, um, I did the same thing like, i not during COVID, but I just was like, eh, I guess I'm starting my own business. <laughs> Yeah. So, and, um, uh, I don't know if I have like a catchy slogan, uh, but I basically, uh, help optimize, um, and grow the veterinary laboratory, whether that's like an in-house lab or just their services that they're providing, um, basically to better leverage, uh, what they're doing, um, their current capacity, their future capacity for the overall practice stability and growth. So basically working smarter, not harder. I love it. So most consultants work just general business. You know, we do the financial side, you know, I know the people that do pricing, you know, there's just, it's really more general business, but your focus is laboratory services. So I want to just, I want to have you like talk about like, you know, why laboratory services, how does that affect, you know, how does that affect the practice as a whole when that's not optimized? Sure. So um, the best way to put that is at least where I was now, mm-hmm. that, that is one, that is one practice and it's mm-hmm. quite a specialty practice. Um, they also have an, an like a general kind of ambulatory mm-hmm. wing and stuff that they would do, but a lot of, a lot of patients basically had lab work. So mm-hmm. a lot of patients were directly impacted by what was happening in that room. So, um, you know, a horse going to surgery, they'd have, you know, pre-anesthetic workup or mm-hmm. a horse in surgery, you know, could be having difficulties. And then you're doing like, you know, emergency diagnostics and stuff. So, um, a lot of the, a lot of the cases basically came through that room, not physically, but parts of mm-hmm. it. So, right. um, that meant that it impacted basically all the cases there. So mm-hmm. if something wasn't up to snuff there, then that could mean a delay, which could mean a delay for another part of the team, right? If that's like the limiting factor is like, well, we want to do this myelogram, but we haven't had the CBC and the chem run yet. So, okay, well now everyone needs to wait to put, to, you know, knock the horse down and, and do all this every, the whole train stops because now we need to do this portion. So just even getting like the day-to-day workflows optimized and smoothed out and, and communication, like 
I'm surprised how much of veterinary medicine is like communication and sociology, but it is. So uh, we got to embrace it. <laughs> I say that I say that all the time about accounting. My yeah. job is half therapy. I can I can see that. I can yeah. see that. Um, so you know, if something, if some, you know, just because I know what a lab result would be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help if I don't communicate to the internal medicine specialist that, hey, mm-hmm. that horse is positive for X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. And then they need to communicate that with the team of, hey, now we need to put these measures in place. Now we need to do this. Now we need to do that. Like mm-hmm. it's snowballs. And so I can't just be like, oh, well, I'm just going to wait to to let them know that horse has strangles. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's like not how this works. So, yeah. so, um, I took my job really seriously. Um, and I, I sunk my, my teeth into it. And I, I had, I made a lot of changes when I was there. Like the room looked totally different when I left. Um, and like moved machines around, changed a lot of workflows. I changed like how, how techs would learn, like what they're supposed to collect and stuff. Like I, I did, a, I did a lot mm-hmm. there. So, um, the lab, I feel like, from like an outside perspective looking in, unless like you've worked directly in the lab sometimes, mm-hmm. I feel like people think of it as like a step and a portion mm-hmm. of things, which it is, but it's a portion of so many things, right? right? So, um, and also it tends to be expensive. <laughs> so it it's not like, uh, like operations itself is expensive, right? But like, that's not necessarily a room okay, like housekeeping, if you Mm -hmm. forget about housekeeping, you know, then like the dumpsters overflow and, you know, like doors Mm -hmm. fall off the hinges and stuff like that. So if you forget about stuff in the lab, you know, well, that's really bad. You also have like, legally, you have to Mm -hmm. maintain records and have this whole thing relatively buttoned up or you should. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, but I feel like it gets forgotten about a lot like I I don't know if people just think like oh that's not sexy so we're not gonna Mm -hmm. like spend time on that or I don't know if maybe they are like well we think it's important but we don't know where to start yeah I can help um (laughs) but you know uh and it's not it's not people it's more it's like a a functional operational thing and because it it takes up so much you know, it takes up a lot of resources fiscally, but it also can produce so much for the practice. It's really mm-hmm. worth considering. Yeah, it sounds like it's a massive bottleneck, right? So like if the lab's not working efficiently, then absolutely nothing else does. For right? sure. For sure. Or, you know, or I think negative you know, stuff. Yeah. Right. So like I think we've all been in a situation where like we're waiting for test results. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we've all been in that situation. Like I was just in Mexico last week and we had to get COVID tested before we could come home. Right. Yep. And they were running that thing so efficiently. We had results in 30 minutes. Nice. They're like, if you don't have results in 30 minutes, come see us. I was like 30 minutes. Like I was expecting like 12 hours, you know, and we had our results in 30 minutes, you know, like if, if that hadn't come back right, or if it hadn't gotten done, you know, properly, we wouldn't be able to come home. So you know, I think we've all, you know, if we're waited, we've all waited for test results in some way, shape or form, you know, the medical test results. 
and the amount of time and resources that can eat up, especially if it's not being done efficient, efficiently in a practice. Or it makes, have to or, right. Or correctly. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, but like you've got a horse or any animal ready for surgery, you know, and maybe you've already knocked them out, but now you're waiting for lab results and then it's more anesthesia. It's more, it's waste. It's time waste. Yep. It's fly waste. It's people, mental energy waste. You yeah. Know, it's sure. massive waste. If the lab's not working properly for sure. and efficiently, it makes sense to me. <laughs> um, so, uh, what are some of the most common laboratory missteps that veterinary practices are making? Uh, I'm going to go on the business side here and I'm going to say not knowing their actual costs. Yeah. I think that's very true. Yeah. I, I had this kind of scary conversation when I was at lunch with a, a friend of mine, who's a rep the other day. Um, he said he has like 90 practices in his territory. So I don't know if this was out of 90 or out of like 45, cause the conversation mm-hmm. kind of flowed a little tricky, but he said that literally a handful like five of his practices in his territory that he's like familiar with that five take a look at their actual costs for things and actually like in the lab and actually like know because know if they're breaking even mm. like that was that was terrifying for me when he said that I was like five 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 out of 45 is bad five out of 90 is bad like five out of 10 is bad <laughs> So, you know, if it's supposed to be a profit center and I don't mean like a money grabbing profit center, right? I mean like an ethical. I feel like every time I, every time I talk to a veterinary person, they use the word profit and then like they have to backtrack. Look y'all, you're here to make money. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I don't mean, I don't mean like, you know, we're going to charge $10,000 for this lab test. Okay. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. (laughs) No, that's also true. So it's okay to make money. We're, we're well, cool with that over here on, on the Abundant Beans podcast. Fair point, fair point. Let's make some money and create some <laughs> sustainability. True. And so like you can do that in the lab, but you need to know what your costs are. Mm-hmm. And I don't what just need, are. Yeah. So like I, um, there's a diagnostic company that I won't name. And they're like, oh, this is the cost for our CBC. This is the cost per run. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, it's not. That's the cost for the reagents for that cost per run. It's mm-hmm. not the cost for the machine purchase price or the lease price or the maintenance or the QC or the time to do the QC or the electricity, which I won't talk about because that's negligible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not the cost and that's not the labor to run the actual test. Like mm-hmm. that is a subset and you, that's all great, but like, that's actually not even the whole picture at all. Right. That's talking about the solar system and only talking about earth. It's not <laughs> there's like other stuff there yeah it's so it's so hard and like um the thing with like cost accounting and things like that because why we do some of this stuff um too like there's just so many things to capture and I know it feels overwhelming right like even in my business I'm like okay but there's this and there's this input and there's all the software and this and that and the other thing like there are so many inputs and it feels overwhelming. And I do understand that, you know, a lot of people who like, if you're listening to this and you're a vet purchaser, you're like, how do I even capture any of that crap? Like, how would I even know? 
you like know, how, how do you, how do you how do know like where to yeah. start? Yeah. Where do you even start with that? And I, I understand like that, that feels overwhelming probably. Sure. I can definitely see that. So I would, if I had to make a, re- a recommendation, I would say start with your most common tests, like your highest mm-hmm. tests, right? So if you run like one test a year for this particular random thing and your margins are way off and that won't necessarily be the end of the world because you only did that one test once. But mm-hmm. if you run, uh, I don't know, let's make this a big practice. Let's say you run like 2000 CBCs a year, mm-hmm. then you should start with that because your multiplier is so much bigger. So that means you're, you're magnifying however much you're off or however much you're not off, hopefully, mm-hmm. you're magnifying that by that volume versus mm-hmm. only like a one-time issue basically. So start with the most prominent tests. They need to start actually figuring out, (laughs) figuring out the amount of time it takes to run a test. I don't Mm -hmm. just mean like, once you put it in the machine and you poke the button, how many minutes does it take till you get a result? Mm -hmm. Not what I mean. I mean, like from the time that the, that the blood basically like hits the room or hits the space where it's going to be able to to be run. Now it's the amount of time to, to log it into the system, the amount of time to bill it, the amount of time to rock it, the amount of time to walk over to the machine, the amount of time to pull it up on the machine, to put it in, have the machine run, put it back in and put the results back into the, now some softwares will put the results back in, but that whole time you need mm-hmm. to think of that per minute. And I calculate that two different ways. I calculate that as active time. So that's like Rachel going and hand mixing the sample before she puts it in. Mm-hmm active time per minute. And I, I bill that at like full, full salary, which I hope salary, not like per hour, but mm-hmm. salary plus including benefits. Like that's broken down mm-hmm. per minute. And then, you know, so it's two minutes of Rachel's active time. And then I bill, I calculate inactive time at 50% of that. So that is something like in the centrifuge or Waiting something where like, you still have to like do something with it. Right. You can't like leave this is it's like uh taking stuff out of a crock pot like you can put stuff into the crock pot and the crock pot does this thing and then you take some i guess i'm hungry sorry you take some <laughs> out of the crock pot and then, but like you still have to be involved in this process right so you know that is your inactive time because you could be uh you could be knitting while the stuff's in the crock pot you could be taking a nap you could be you know petting seeing your cat you know whatever so well that's why the crock pot feels so productive yeah because like you're inactively doing something yeah but like you're still like yes there is still something happening so in in the blood like in the lab you know something's in the centrifuge for three minutes you know fine great now go do something else with that time Mm -hmm. the beauty of that is what do you go do with that extra time right Mm -hmm. once you've optimized the lab once you are you know when you're talking about inactive time sometimes that's time for Sometimes that's like when the employee gets a chance to run to the restroom. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's, they get to eat part of their lunch. Sometimes that is, they start active time on another test to make you more money. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, all all sorts of stuff. So because it's not, you know, because it's not immediate full hundred percent attention, I build that half time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, knowing the cost of reagents, the biggest you know, the biggest reagents or the biggest consumables for that test is important as well as the labor to run them. And you can break stuff farther down from there. Yeah. I mean, we could get massively granular here with that cost accounting, but I love that, you know, once you know where your efficient inefficiencies are, right. Then you can be like, oh, well, I actually have three minutes, right. 
I can start another test. I can run to the bathroom, which is fine too. Like that's all like, Has good. To be done. yeah, your employees need to have, you know, understand they do have time. They don't need to just sit there and watch it. Yep. And like when I, so when I was a manager, I had some techs that would work for me, mm-hmm. uh, kind of throughout my time there. And like, if I saw my tech on their phone, they could be texting out results. They could also be like on Facebook and like, in my mind, a little bit of that they can be using to like decompress. Mm-hmm. But if you're on Facebook for like three hours a day and you're not like a marketing manager for the practice, then like maybe that's, you know, a management issue and not the best use of your time. Yeah. And you can say, look, we've got plenty of other things to do here. We can move stuff around. We can create more workflows. Yep. We can do this stuff. I love it. Um, so what can you give me some examples of um, uh, case studies or, you know, clients you've worked with and what, what transformations you've helped create? So I have a client that is in the process of setting up an in-house diagnostic reference laboratory. Mm -hmm. So the doctor called me and I believe he has an MBA, which is already a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. That helps. So he called me and he says, I don't know what I, what I need, but I want to be profitable and efficient. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. So I, I went there and I did some physical reorganization. Um, this was as simple as um, move the machines that required like basically frozen reagents closer to the freezer. Mm-hmm. It's silly, but cut down the amount of time they're going to have to walk. And when you're reference lab, you're going to be busy. So um, I also did a lot of pricing analysis for them. And, and he had said, basically, I need to know how many tests I um, kind of per thing I need to shoot for in order to make basically the money I want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, make that ROI. So um, I set all that up for him and I believe that's going well. So um, so, um, we'll see Uh, all sorts of stuff. I also, I also just set up um, a digital uh, lab submission process and management and kind of tracking system for a really big, like 50 person practice that I'm working with. Yeah. They have like 15 vets or something. It's kind of nuts. They didn't really- have a digital system already. They so not for their not for their lab. Wow. So they were filling out a, a so someone would bring, we're gonna say this is blood. It's not, but someone would bring the blood work in. They would write on a piece of paper what it was they wanted, and they'd leave it. Which that's a system I had used at my in my previous employer, but that might not also be the system I would still be using in 2021. Mm. So um, I set up, uh, I connected like five or six different programs using Zapier, Mm -hmm. A-P-I-E-R, as like the glue to connect everything. So the beauty of soft stuff, of digital stuff, is that it can, you can use some programs to do stuff for you. Mm-hmm. And automate it. So bingo. So we have now um, techs or doctors submitting via an online form. Mm-hmm. And then the sample comes to the lab. Then uh, from there, all those online forms are managed in this inbox. 
it's not like Gmail, but it, they're managed mm-hmm. software. So then you could add tags of like who built it, who performed it, if there's a hold, because sometimes it happens. Like in the horse world, there's pre-purchase exams. Mm-hmm. So there'd be these people like, hmm, I don't know if I want to spend X amount of money on this horse. Let me do, you know, a series of diagnostics first. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, they'll decide after the first level of, you know, a workup that we're not going to move forward. So then they don't need to run a drug screen and everything else they were planning on. So mm-hmm. a lot of stuff gets like held with pre-purchase. So um, all of that gets managed by the lab, all those submissions, and then they still process things and send things out. And then when the submission is made, when the online f- form is made, any reference lab testing that it's under a specific category gets immediately pushed onto a Google sheet, like a big tracker, um, not the in-house stuff and not mm-hmm. some of the reference lab stuff, but it all gets pushed to the tracker. So you can see uh, the doctor, the date, the horse, you know, what the test was, whatever. And then when the results come back um, a few days later via Gmail mm-hmm. into the Gmail account, then it, um, someone clicks a button and it, and moves it, like gives it a label and Gmail, basically it moves it in Gmail and then Zapier pulls from there and puts it in a Gmail folder, pulls the attachments that has the results. And then it pushes those attachments directly into that Google sheet tracker mm-hmm. and sends it to Slack on a Slack channel that can be set up for the doctors to get notified when their things come in. It's so much more efficient than people running stuff around or calling or texting and then it's lost. Well, and what happens a lot is like the CSRs, what I learned, I did a lot of interviews there to like with all different parts of the team to try to figure out like the impact. What is our workflow? Yep. And so a lot of the, so the CSRs would tell me, well, we call the lab and we want to see where this, you know, is this test back yet? whatever. But now instead of having to call the lab and interrupt that person's workflow, now they can just go on the tracker and look, is it in there or not? You know, the lab has to answer the phone all the time. Yeah. Oh Which my God. When you, like, run around with blood and stuff. So. Well, and you're trying to get stuff done. Right. And yeah. it's like, well, if it was done, you would know. Right. <laughs> I spent a lot, I'm, I'm a tax, I'm a tax professional. We spent a lot of time with people like, um, so where's my return? I'm like, well, if it was done, I would let you know. You would know it was done. It's therefore in process. Um, but yeah, I know. I think, you know, there's so many inefficiencies where like something like with just like a tracker that shows people where stuff is and they can access it themselves. It's just yep. huge. I mean, we use color and boards, also, stuff like and that. Like a, like a lab paper form, right? That's one thing. Like, uh, let's pick up something I can pick up. This is one piece of paper. If Rachel leaves this piece of paper here that means that when rachel goes out of town rachel can't see the piece of paper right but if it's all digital then you just log into the thing and Mm -hmm. do it from wherever so this particular practice has like five sister practices and the doctors like move around so this will actually be really helpful for them because they can always kind of see what's going on yeah with all of their patients at all the time versus like that one piece of paper that's like stuck in this binder that's like you know yeah well and as you said too like with paper forms like it only is as good as the paper exactly like I take notes all the time on paper and then I'm always just like how do I do that because then it's like the team doesn't have it I don't have it if I leave this desk it's it's gone you know like it's like this out of sight out of mind stuff 
I just, and then you have to also, also do the, the people's handwriting. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. You know, it's like, does, does that say CVV? True. Are we sure it's over 2 1 here? That happens. That happens. You know, and it's just inefficient to be like, so what does this say? <laughs> and there's, and like, there's a gazillion and a half ways um, to make things better, right? Even when I had left the lab that I had managed after almost four years, it could mm-hmm. still be better. And I would ask my techs, like, you know, what is it, you know, like if you could change something in here, if you could add something in here, you know, mm-hmm. what is it? What would you, what would you like? What do you think would help? Whatever. And I would just try to keep an open mind. And mm-hmm. one of my techs at one point said, you know, uh, a second, like a little mini freezer would be fabulous because X, Y, and Z. And so I said, I'm going to get you one. Mm-hmm. And within like two weeks, I got her one. And, and uh, a, a referring doctor had given me like a, maybe like a Starbucks gift card or a Dunkin' Donuts gift card or something. Cause I stayed late to run blood work on her horse or something. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I added to the card and I put the card in an envelope and I wrote my text this really nice note and mm-hmm. I stuck it with a bow on the freezer. <laughs> and I was like, go check that out. That's for you. That's, and you, you know, know, that was her suggestion. So, you know, things can always be better. And then it's a matter of, okay, now you have all this extra time. Now, what do you do? And then that's where it gets really fun because you can explore these, uh, you know, profitable pro patient programs, right? That like, you didn't have time before, like one of those, like, oh, that's nice, but you know, we're too slammed. Well, now you have time. Mm-hmm. So. Or you can just go take a nap. Or you can decompress or go home or whatever, you know, whatever it is, right? Like margin, you can do whatever mm-hmm. you want with it and yeah you know and that's huge and you know i think that it, that all brings us back to how do we make these practices more sustainable how do we make them better for those in the industry you know and i always say this but the accounting industry and the vet industry have a lot of parallels you know like i always say most accountants are pretty sure they're going to die their this you know like there's just there's a lot of inefficiencies there's a lot of ways that we can make ourselves very, very sick and very, very drowned by our businesses. Um, but we have to make that conscious decision. And there's a lot of tools and people that can help you make those conscious decisions to have sustainable practices that, that give you what you want long-term. Yep. Um, and it's just, it can be better. And I think that's, you know, always what we're looking for too, is how do we make it better for everybody? All right. Um, before I ask my last question, what is the easiest way to reach you? Uh, email me, Rachel, mm-hmm. R-A-C-H-E-L at Amwell, A-M-W-E-L-L-D-S, short for data services.com. Awesome. All right. Last question for you. What would be the very first thing a practice owner should do to focus on this, um, this part of their practice? Their laboratory That's like one thing they should do today. Uh, they should audit <laughs> for misbilling. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh my gosh. That's a huge one. <laughs> can I make that the first thing? You yeah. Know? Because maybe there's enough time where they can put it on the bill and the owner won't know that it wasn't on the bill mm-hmm. and that can recoup some money like today. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Go back and audit, you know, statements from the reference labs or, you know, your consumables, anything you can, and just try to put some money back into your pocket. Cause a lot of stuff gets missed, especially in there. I love that. That's, and that's easy too, right? You can go in and be like, did I build this? Yeah, it should, it should be one for one. If it's not. <laughs> and, well, and, and that's pro- an easy process to change, right? 
Yes. Yeah. So especially, so sometimes some stuff happens in the lab under like pretty easy going, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, non-emergent conditions and other stuff is like fire, you know, Mm -hmm. just like the the meme of the dog sitting in the room, like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, with flames everywhere. So in those situations, the best thing to do is just write it down, whether it's like a text message or a post-it note or anything of saying, Hey, this happened. And I, I ran, you know, two things, whatever. When I would come in on the weekend, the first thing I would like from the weekend, I would reconcile, reconcile. I can't speak today. I would look at everything that happened over the weekend. Maybe there were five PCVs in total proteins that were run and I would make sure they were all built. And so, you know, the, the, the diagnostic testing that's being done offsite is probably more expensive than the majority of things that are being run on site, but mm-hmm. probably with a lower frequency. But if you make sure all of those are accounted for, then that's a lot of money you're accounting for. I love it. I love it. Um, awesome. Rachel, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I really, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.